Two Week Nose Podcast. Yo, come out. Hey, hey, what's going on, everyone? Oh, man, I'm so happy to be here. This is just an honor. You know what? You listen, I'm in a really good mood, okay? Doing this podcast is just truly an honor. I get to speak with people who have just been, you know, my musical heroes. Forget musical, just, you know, in general, heroes. Um, and one of those people is Vidi Caruana. Vinnie Caruana is the front man for the band The Movie Life, okay? The band I Am The Avalanche, all right? The band Peaced Out, the band Constant Elevation. He also has his solo stuff. This guy is a fucking legend, and everything that you're hearing on this podcast episode is his music. And let's just fucking get into it. Vinnie, thank you so much. This was uh, just such an honor to talk to you, brother. Truly, truly grateful. Um, all right. Um, oh, I should also say, listen, if you like what you hear as far as this podcast goes, hit that subscribe button. Hit me with five stars. You know what I mean? Tell all your fucking friends, right? Um, if you want to be super helpful, you can even write a little review, right? Scroll down, let a, write a little... Uh, you know, little, uh, you know, this guy facts, this podcast facts, whatever you want to do. I don't give a fuck. The most important thing is just enjoy it. Thank you so much. Vinny, you're the best. Respect. All right. Enjoy. Two weeks podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. You got it. No problem. This is, this is really cool. You're one of my favorite musicians. So um, mm. we are That's rolling. really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so we're rolling. Let's just get into it, dude. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. All right. Excellent. So we got Vinny Caruana of the movie Life, I Am the Avalanche, Peaced Out, and that's just to name a few. I feel like you have like nine bands. Yeah, I guess um, Constant Elevation is another. Uh, and my solo stuff. What did we say? Peaced out? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I lose track, dude. It's okay. Uh, You're just another doing band, it. Uh, another band that doesn't have a name that uh, started like during lockdown last, well, like as lockdown lifted a little bit last, like early last summer, of all, um, all neighbors. So we go into this practice space that we have and we wear masks and shit with Jim Carroll is one of the members of this band, this no named band. Nice. Jim Carroll's a legend. Yeah, he's great. So he and I are neighbors. We see each other a lot. Sick. And, uh, and that's all due to, you know, we kind of knew each other a bit, but um, all due to Travis being Travis, making that real connection for us. Travis shuttle of piebald, of course. 
Okay, that makes sense. Because I was like kind of curious, you know, the movie life did a tour a couple of years back now, maybe three years ago. And mm-hmm. Travis of Piebald was your opener. He was like, you know, going up there playing solo. And I asked him, I was like, dude, how did that, uh, how'd that tour happen? He was like, dude, uh, Vinny just hit me up. Really cool That's guy. Right. <laughs> we just went on tour. I was like, sick. That became a whole thing for him. Cause yeah, he, he signed on to open the whole tour, which was perfect. It's like, oh, Travis going to be playing piebald songs and um, cover songs and his solo stuff. And then uh, Brandon Riley, our guitar player, had to duck out of most of the tour very in the, in the 11th hour. And Travis stepped in and uh, filled in for Brandon for like, like three quarters of the tour. Yeah, he was on like double duty. Yeah, but it was lovely because we got to uh, we got to know each other a lot better. And we also got to be roommates the entire tour. We shared a hotel room. He's such a pleasant guy. Like if you open your eyes and Travis is sitting there like holding his clothes and stuff. And it's always like a pleasant like, good morning. How are you? You know? Yeah, he's he's wonderful. He's a, a sweet guy. Yeah, he is. And I feel as if you and him, I don't know you as well as I know Travis, but I get the vibe that you and him are very similar uh, with your personalities. Um, he's an easy guy to talk to. I feel like I'm outgoing enough. I've gotten there at that point in my, this point in my life. I, I was a very quiet kid as a teenager. And uh, nowadays, yeah, I want to talk. I made a friend on the ferry. I was just on the ferry on the way back to Brooklyn. And this lady in like probably 70, like my mom's age, She's like my friend now. We're neighbors too, which we didn't know. So I'm stoked to see her on the street. That's what it's all about, man. So you're back in uh, Long Island, yes? I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, sorry. Um, I've lived, uh, I moved back to Brooklyn like six years ago. I don't know like the, the, the layout of New York well enough. I probably should. I've been there enough times. Um, but it's, it's kind of silly, dude, because we're on Long Island now in brooklyn and queens are on long island but if you say you're going to long like it's so dumb (laughs) like if i was going to go see my parents right now it's like 20 miles and we're on the same island but i would say i'm going to long island (laughs) (laughs) right just me it just means you're crossing the queen's border that makes sense east yeah you know what is it about long island there are just like so many legendary um what artists whether it's bands or comedians and stuff like that uh it, i don't know if it's something in the water or just the the environment i think um it's really hard to put your finger on it i will say this we grew up with new york city as our city you know so for those of us long islanders who embraced that and started going to the city at a young age you know I was like 11, 12 years old when I first like went to the city on the train to go, you know, obviously I would go with my parents and stuff, but the first time I went to the city without my parents was with one of my brothers. And that was like, the main objective was to like go and buy minor threat shirts at like bleaker bobs. Nice. (laughs) Um, And so we had New York city, obviously New York city music scene was going nuts. New York city hardcore was happening before we knew it was happening. Um, and we had that at our fingertips. Um, 
And then honestly, like, I feel like Long Island has so many bands like that the world knows about because one, there's so many people that live on Long Island and there's a lot of kids. And when alternative music on the whole became a bigger, more of a mainstream thing that like a random kid from high school would be wearing a punk shirt when like a year before, basically a year before Nirvana hit, like a lot of people didn't know about underground music. Um, At least guys my age, you know, like that was 91 was nevermind. So I was 12. I went to my first like punk show that year when I was 12. And the other thing is, so there was this, there was a Long Island scene going on that we all stepped into. Like the first wave of it was already happening. So um, bands like Movie Life, Glassjaw, Brand New, Taking Back Sunday, um, Crime and Stereo. Um, I'm thinking about all the guys that are like my age, you know. Um, We would all be in the crowd um, watching the generation that came before us which were bands like Silent Majority, Vision of Disorder, Mind Over Matter, um, Neglect, stuff like that. So like there were really cool hardcore shows happening where we didn't need to like, we didn't need to go and see national acts in the city. We just went to the local clubs around Long Island and saw like incredible local bands, like a a scene that was super strong. And then people started taking notice, Um, you know, like it wasn't it. It shit spread. I remember going to my first show and there's like 100 people and like that's all there was. You know what I mean? Like there weren't any other hardcore kids on Long Island. 100, 200 people. um, Things started getting big. I mean, to the point where like our club, the PWAC, the main one of that era of Long Island, you know, a bell came refused came fugazi came which was the biggest deal fugazi playing on long island yeah man because people were like hey there's a thousand kids here that like come they support every show i would just go to every show didn't matter as long as there was not i didn't have a soccer game like conflicting with the exact show time i would go straight from so many soccer games to like my parents would drop me off and i would change in the car and like put my my hardcore shirt on hell yeah i love that <laughs> there's definitely something magical about long island um in a similar sense where boston has this magical thing too you know there's you know hardcore there's a lot of hardcore roots in boston um mm-hmm. or hardcore emo you know just if you loop it all together and yeah, just like the scene, right? Like the scene, it's, yeah. it's a hardcore scene, but yeah. it's not all hardcore. That's the right. same thing we had. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore is just a way to whatever, put an umbrella over it, emo, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, now I definitely did want to talk to you about soccer. I was going to ask later, but um, let's just get into it. Cause yeah, I did a little, I tried to do a little homework, but I also like to just, whatever, just talk, man, just shoot the breeze. But Cool. Um, so you're a huge soccer guy, right? You you grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing. Um, I was once good at it. Now I'm old, <laughs> and my my like feet won't do what my brain wants it to do. Wants them to do oh, as quickly or as efficiently. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up playing since I was like four years old. I have two older brothers, so they were playing too. So I would always play around with them in the yard and stuff. Um, 
and then yeah I got serious with it like maybe like 10 maybe I was 10 when I joined like my first travel team where we would like come to Massachusetts and shit I have all these nice it's so funny I have all these like when we would play in tournaments um we would trade a pat like a soccer patch from our club to their club and vice versa yep so like i've played multiple tournaments in mass and uh in, in new england and i have tons of you would be shocked at like all the small town like soccer patches i have from probably where, where did you grow up exactly so i was born and raised in lynn massachusetts which is if you just take boston right um if you go up the coast it goes boston a, a town called Revere and then Lynn. So I'm, I'm gotcha. two towns up from Boston North Shore. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I grew up playing. Um, I played, I played for two teams in high school, but I played for my high school team and my club team. And that was my life was soccer. And whenever I wasn't playing soccer, I was started going to punk shows like, you know, in junior high school. Yeah. Well, uh, well um, you, what position were you? Um, I was like a winger or like a striker. Um, I was, I was a goal scorer kind of guy. And then as, as I grew, uh, as I grew up, I became more of like a midfield, like a central midfielder. So, so I, I played for a team that, well, we haven't played this past year because of COVID, but I played for a team in Brooklyn, um, which is an awesome, like an outdoor kind of field, like with this beautiful city skyline. Um, I played midfield for that team sick man so i, I still mean, try I still yeah you try whatever as long as you you know you get the love for it as long as you enjoy it it's definitely I love it you know as you get older it's it's you know your body starts yelling at you but i yeah. uh i played a little soccer growing up i never got like serious with it but um like i said the city i'm from is lynn and it was called the lynn youth soccer program lys you know i probably still have an old t-shirt somewhere uh cool. i was i was a pretty killer goalie man Oh, cool. Like, I always wanted to be that guy who was scoring goals, you know, like, like you, but I wasn't good at that. So mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, I figured out, you know what, like, I, I, I don't know, I just ended up in a goalie position. Same thing in base, baseball, I was a catcher. Uh, so maybe there's something to that. But I was right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I'll just put my face in front of the ball. I don't care. And if someone's <laughs> right. coming at me, I'll, I'll you know, I, I have no fear. If someone's coming at me, I'm not going to cower uh but right. i always really enjoyed indoor soccer i know it's not it's, it's a little unorthodox right it's like a smaller um, net yeah smaller net you can smaller ball boards all that stuff yeah um, yeah dude so you fun. should play you should hit up some people because like I, in there's indoor soccer leagues everywhere and i know a lot of people like probably need a goalie so that's the hardest thing to find when my brother was a killer goalie too he was better than me like he was really good but um when i was uh in europe a couple of years ago i took this uh, uh cruise ship from new york city um to rome italy and we had seven days at sea and on the ship there's like a basketball court slash soccer court on like the top deck you mm -hmm. know it has like a, a big net over it so there was like this indoor soccer style setup so i would just show up and I had like the drink package. I'd show up with a couple beers in my hand and just see who yeah. was. And people would be playing uh, soccer, dude. And I was like, I'll play goalie. And we would just, dude, some of the most competitive uh, soccer I 
played or any sport I played in my life was on that oh, boat. Wow. It was so cool. Like there were people <laughs> from like, like South America and stuff too, who were like in Spain, like, they were like really, really good. Right. <laughs> they were just like kicking the ball in my face. They're like, Hey, you're pretty good. I was like, I don't know. But it was I'm fun. sure they appreciated you. That's was, really cool. I remember following your journey kind of um, on Instagram when you, when you had your trip. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So right before going back to when you were on tour with Travis, right before I left for Europe was when you guys played in Boston. Yep. St. Patrick's day a year, uh, two years ago yesterday, right? Was that St. Patty's day? Yeah, it was St. Patty's day. That sounds about right. Wow. Okay. So you, you guys played the Sinclair, which is in Cambridge, Harvard square. Awesome club. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome club. You're right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hadn't met you yet, but I had seen you several times before and me and uh, the other pieball guys were there watching, you know, to support Travis. And, um, after the show, Travis comes out and he goes, Hey, uh, do you guys want to like, you know, come backstage and drink some beers? And we were like, yup. And that was when yeah. I met you, dude. And, yep. you know, I'm a regular guy just like you, but I was also like a fanboy, like I said, you know, but, and I hadn't met you yet. And I always wanted to tell you that you like Travis, he's my favorite lyricist, like overall. He's, yeah, he's so good. He's out of his mind, but you wrote my favorite uh, emo lyric or, or line of all time. And like, I don't What's know, I was, you probably thought, I, I thought that you thought I was crazy. Cause I came up to you and I was like, Hey man, you wrote my favorite line of all time. Nice to meet you. And you're like, what? No. <laughs> I was stoked. I was stoked to meet you and uh, your reputation precedes you as well. Like I've heard about you through our mutual friends and stuff. So, oh, geez. Well, thanks. But the, the line is from uh, the movie life song, Jamestown. And it's, mm -hmm. if my mind's the weapon, my heart's the extra clip. That's poetry. Um, I have to be completely honest with you. I did. I, I kind of lifted that. I lifted that line. All right. That's um, okay. No, no, no. And I'm, I'm always forthcoming about it if someone asks me about it. Um, but yeah, like I give credit on the liner notes and stuff for like the inspiration for it. Um, it was like a, a underground rapper in New York that, you know, nobody really has heard of. So if you look in the liner notes, a 40 hour train, I give, I give him credit. No shit. Yeah. It was just more of like this inspiration. Like I wrote all the lyrics for Jamestown and um, I was, I was actually discussing this cause there was like an anniversary for the record recently. And I was discussing how like Jamestown almost wasn't a song really it was it was kind of in trouble like on the cutting room floor when we were doing pre-production with brian mcturnan and brian was really instrumental in reviving the song and helping us to uh i don't know like rethink it a little bit and then i sat down and wrote the lyrics for um jamestown and i needed that i needed those lyrics like right as the big mosh part happens kind of 
And um, I had always, I had like a notebook of like things that I would absorb. I would hear somebody say, or I would hear in a song. And sometimes like a few words will just, <coughs> excuse my cough. A, a few words will just like spurn a whole song. And those words might not even end up in the song. Right. Um, in this, in this case, I wrote about, you know, Jamestown is about a van wreck that we got into. And uh, that was kind of such an inspirational quote to me that, um, yeah, I incorporated it into the song. That's funny. And um, this kind of supports my theory of you and Travis being similar because uh, in the Piebald song, it's called Sex Sells. Um, he just straight up says, um, it goes, I heard one, I heard a rapper once say, there's a message in everything. So he pulled yeah. that same inspiration in a similar type of way. And I grew up on hip hop, man. Like, to be honest, I, I never really, cause I kind of grew up in like a, a really rough neighborhood and uh -huh. everyone around me was just listening to rap. So that was really all I got into. My mom would be playing Beatles records and stuff like that, but it wasn't even until high school where I really like actually like, I'm embarrassed to say I discovered Weezer in high school, which I was mm -hmm. born in 85. Like they, the blue album came out in like 94. I discovered it in like 2000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But yeah. it, it, it helped transform me um, into something other than just rap. And then what, what kind was, of rap were you listening to? I mean, my favorite, like I love Gangstar. Yeah. You know, you're like, listening to good rap. Yeah. DJ Premier, dude, like that would be the best example but i also i was a big fan of like eminem and like dmx and a lot of the mainstream mm -hmm. guys as well you know i yeah. was listening to the radio and stuff but gangstar would that's they have a special place in my heart um but when i transitioned from rap to like weezer and then you know the emo scene if you will it was right around the same time that like you know warp tour started really thriving early 2000s mm -hmm. and drive through records, you know, was, was really blowing up. And right at that time is when I was getting into, you know, the drive through bands, like the movie life or, you know, even like piebald and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. But so I know you're, you're a rap guy too, right? So who'd you, uh, who are your guys? Um, my guys were De La Soul. Uh, nice. I mean, like I still, all my guys are still my guys. Uh, yeah. But we, I first got into De La Soul, Public Enemy. So De La Soul grew up like 10 miles away from us. Public Sick. Enemy was from Long Island as well, like the next town over. Wow. Which is like, um, uh, Slick Rick was a big one. So like, I was like, that came out, Great Adventures of Slick Rick came out in 88, I think. And like, I was straight up, since I had older brothers, um, I found shit like that. So like that record is extremely explicit in some ways. And then other songs are super like cuddly. Um, but I, yeah, I was like 10, 11 years old, like listening to the most like obscene, like <laughs> slick Rick songs Dude, without my parents' knowledge. Cause I didn't have to go through there any channels to get this shit. I just take my brother's tape, you know? That's so funny, man. Um, I don't know how I didn't mention Outcast. I was like crazy into Outcast as well. They're right up there mm -hmm. for me. But um, do you remember like the BMG Columbia House thing? Yeah, the you, CD like, club. Yeah, yeah. You would just like pay quote unquote a penny um, 
you would just write in some information. Again, I was a kid. I was like 10 to 12 or whatever. And you just fill out this form from junk mail, like literal junk mail that actually came in your mailbox. You'd fill out mm -hmm. a form and just send it in. And they would send you back six CDs. You didn't have to pay money or anything. And I remember <laughs> I got like a, a bunch of rap stuff and I got Adam's, a couple of Adam Sandler CDs as well. Mm -hmm. My mom just saw the parental advisory thing and she like took the CDs away from me, but mm -hmm. she let me keep the Adam Sandler stuff because Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore had just come out and maybe yeah. it was inappropriate, but she was like, oh, I saw those movies with him. Adam Sandler's fine. But that was, those CDs were way more inappropriate than, yeah, oh, yeah, or yeah just yeah. as inappropriate yeah. as, you know, the other stuff. So, I love those. Uh, I, I listened to those Adam Sandler CDs a lot back in the day. The uh, what the hell happened to me was that. Yeah, the, that was I, huge. Yeah, yeah. I listened to that over and over many times. Um, I watched his uh, I watched his. New special on Netflix, newish special on Netflix. It's I haven't like seen 100 percent fresh or something. I know he. I saw the um, the Chris Farley tribute at the end, but I didn't see the rest. But um, I will. You know, it's no secret that Adam Sandler like makes bad movies almost seemingly on purpose i don't really understand but um <laughs> he, he's made some amazing movies and even in the last 10 years he's made some really incredible movies like but in between some really bad ones you know? yeah yeah um but i put on this special with like an open mind like i like sandler but you know sometimes he's not doing what i want you know he's making family movies and it's fine i'm with um, you but the stand, I heavily recommend the stand-up special. It's really fucking good, and it's okay. really well done. And a lot of I laughed out loud a lot of times. And he hadn't done stand-up. I mean, he started out just like most a lot of actors that aren't even into comedy anymore. You don't even realize unless you're like a stand-up fan and you do your homework. A lot of them really started out doing stand-up just to get mm -hmm. up on stage and as a as a practice. Um, and Adam Sandler hadn't done stand-up since probably the early 90s. And all of a sudden, yeah, a few years ago, he, he just got back into it. He went up to, I think he went to like the comedy store in LA and maybe a couple other places. And then all of a sudden, this special came out out of nowhere. Uh, that guy's yeah. definitely like, he's one of a kind. Um, There's footage from the clubs of him, like him working it out in the yeah. clubs. There's, that footage is intertwined into the special. <clears throat> oh that's sick and there's a lot of music like you know he's always been like had his funny songs and stuff um there's a lot of songs and there's like a music supervisor on stage with him who's playing piano and like vi vi vibing with him and shit like he has a nice song for his kids it's basically wholesome but also hilarious and like vintage sandler not like it's not like watching whatever movie <laughs> like right. whatever one of his netflix his movies hubie halloween or or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, which i would have loved as a kid by the way hubie halloween i would have loved it me too and you know i grew up um you know that i told you i'm from lynn lynn mass mm -hmm. is right next door to salem mass ah okay i got you right next door and i'm born on halloween too so i, I have a oh like, wow and you know of all the places i was just mentioning earlier you know talking about going to europe and stuff I know I'm biased, but of all the places I've been to in my life, Salem is still maybe my favorite city ever. Like it's a very, cool. very rad place. I mean, it's older than Boston. It's got a lot of great history and stuff too, but so I've I did. I've never been there. Oh, dude. Oh man. Yeah. Next time you, uh, 
you come to Boston, um, you know, when everything opens back up and stuff and tours happen, uh, it's a very quick train ride. Hit me up. I have a condo there. I'm renting it out to somebody now, you know, just to oh, cool. cover the the mortgage and stuff. But um, Boston's going to be first, like in the first five places we play. You know yeah. that. So, you know, yeah. it's like, and we being like me solo, peaced out, movie life, avalanche, constant elevation, everything. Well, like I'll be in Boston. Like, yes. Oh, as much as humanly possible. I love that, man. Um, so w- what is your favorite? Um, or uh, this is actually kind of a fan question, too. I do have a few of those. So I'm just going to jump into one of those. Um, Alyssa asks, what is your most memorable show? So I'm going to just piggyback on that and ask, what's your most memorable Boston show or, or, okay. and, or most memorable show like ever. I know it's kind of a heavy question. That's, but. Yeah. Shit. Um, I'm going to do my best here. Um, I would say. Most memorable Boston show is probably does Worcester count? <laughs> totally, yeah, that counts. Uh, you know, lady and probably life broke up. Like we, so when we when we broke up in in two thousand and three, um, we decided that we were breaking up like a week before we did. So we were on a tour and we decided that, and it was actually one of those things where we weren't getting along. And once we just discussed it and communicated for the first time, we were very bad at communicating. Um, once we communicated, we decided that everybody wanted to go our separate ways. And, um, and then the tour became very pleasant. And like, we oh, were friends so you again. Just, you just had to get it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and wow. like, so we all got along for that last week. Um, and the That's last hilarious, show happened dude. to be yeah it's funny like we weren't speaking like they were speaking and like a few guys are speaking but like nobody was speaking to me i wasn't speaking to them and we were in a van it was just like so absurd wow. so when we had our chat um we decided we were breaking up it alleviated a lot of the tension and then we had a really good time for the rest and enjoyed the shows you know what i mean uh so the last show of that tour which was our last show and it would prove to be our last show and for a long time like at least a decade i think um was at worcester and it was like skate fest oh nice and, yeah the, and we, the worcester we, palladium yeah and yeah. we agreed that we weren't gonna we would announce like we would make a formal announcement when we were online but i got emotional and before jamestown which was our last song i was like this is the last song we're ever gonna play and people oh. were like what it was like half the people what does that place hold like 2,500 people or something? So maybe there was 500 people directly in front of us singing along and moshing and having a great time. And the rest of the people were like waiting to see simple plan. And they didn't know who we were, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then like Coheed was after us. So maybe they were waiting to see Coheed as well. Oh, wow. Totally. And so I announced it to like the 500 people in the room that cared. And they were just like, what the fuck? And the band was like, uh, I thought we weren't going to say anything. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. We've been, I've been singing to these people, like, especially Boston. We'd be there like at least twice a year playing. You were in the moment, um, man. I was in the moment. So anyway, that it was happens. probably the most memorable, like Worcester, Boston area show, because that's the day we broke up. 
Um, That's and a I cool would say story. the most like memorable show was probably um, that same year, probably like a few months before that, we played at um, we played at Reading and Leeds Festival in the UK. Sick. And um, not only did we have like a really like next level amazing show, like a lot of people were into it and singing along and stuff, but we played pretty early. And then I roamed around and basically watched like some of the best bands on the planet. Sick, man. Um, and uh, I actually was discussing this on a, on a different pod recently because they asked me what my favorite festival experience was. And uh, that was that day. Like I, I saw the streets, I saw Beck, um, I saw Blur. Um, I saw the, th- the Thrills, who's an amazing Irish band. I was listening to Irish music yesterday and basically listened to the Thrills for like a few hours yesterday. Um, I strongly recommend the Thrills. There's a record called So Much for the City. And then the follow-up was called Let's Bottle Bohemia. And then their last record was called Teenager. And the band is so underrated and amazing. It was basically a kid in a candy store, Reading and Leeds, bouncing around, watching amazing bands. Right before we played, I ran over and watched Cave In on the, on the uh, main stage, which was amazing to witness because Movie Life and Cave In some of Movie Life's first ever shows ever in 97, 98 were with Pieball and Caven. Yeah, legendary. That's so cool, man. And there's nothing like a festival vibe, you know, that like you can get the Movie Life and Beck or, you know, there was um, when Pieball did Riot Fest a few years back in Chicago and we had the same trailer, not at the same time, but uh, you've done Riot Fest, right? Yep, yep. Or whatever, just festivals in general. You go back and they have a trailer for you. And on the piece of paper, it, you know, we had a certain time slot in our trailer and it was like piebald two o'clock. And then it was Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, like whatever, five <laughs> o'clock. Just, I mean, I didn't meet the guy, but it was just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like that'll never happen again. There's no way. That's, and that's what's cool about festivals. Uh, speaking of the UK. Uh-huh. Going back to that tour where you said you and the band, the movie life decided to part ways. Weren't you on tour with funeral for a friend at that time, or am I mistaken? So the way the time, the time frame was like, we, we went and headlined actually piebald supported us. I think Sick. I think it was that tour. We did a headlining tour with piebald supporting, um, and then we went back. That was this is all the same year. So, forty-hour train back to Penn comes out right in February. We're on tour with the Used, Finch, and My Chemical Romance opening. I saw you guys at the Palladium on that tour. A great tour, and yep. it was a great tour to have like released our record on because there was just a lot of eyes and ears on us because we were playing in big shows in front big of drive-through like, tour. Yeah, and so um, that was great. And then we went straight to England, Piebald supporting. Uh, came back to America, did something else. Maybe it was the tour. No, no, it wasn't the tour that we just said we were breaking up on. Um, but we went back for Reading and Leeds, and then we were going back again, like two, three months later. And that was going to be a big deal because Jamestown was on the radio, and the video Sick. was playing, and we were doing well in England. And now Funeral for a Friend had just exploded. Funeral for a Friend actually opened the stage that we played at that Reading and Leeds. 
and they were a last minute addition because they were making so much like noise like in england they were the next big i think i love that band uh next big like uk band yeah they're great and so we were primed to go back there and play massive clubs main support to the big new massive you know uk band and uh on the tour that we were on right before we were meant to go back to the UK. We decided we were breaking up and it was, it sucked. So the, the record label over there was super bummed mm. and I don't blame them, right. but we couldn't bear to be around each other anymore and all this <laughs> stuff. So we really, um, yeah. And so, and funny enough, our friends in further seems forever who we had toured with that year. That's what we did <laughs> in between the two UK things. We did a co-headlining tour with further seems forever. Sick. Um, and they ended up taking our place on the funeral for, for a friend tour. Oh, okay. I wish we would have had the chance to go on that tour. Yeah. But uh, it all, all us breaking up and all that, like that it's led to so many other important things in my life. Um, and it's nice that I still get to sing movie life songs sometimes, you know, there you go. And you, you know, you got to roll with the punches, you know? Um, and again, with the UK, uh, with you specifically, Vinny, it seems like you have a, a solid um, following in the UK. Yeah. Um, so the movie life, our first headlining, our first show ever in, in the UK, we, we did a headlining tour. Um, and, our, and the London show of that tour, a thousand people came to. Okay. Wow. Holy this shit. was not this was not part of the plan. It's just the way it happened. Things started taking off for movie life, and there was good press. This is like when press still worked, and like magazines were bought, and like <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Like this is like we like we were in magazines, and then kids would be like, "Damn!" And then like uh, I remember Daryl from Glassjaw, who I grew up with. Glassjaw was touring with the Deftones in the UK and Glassjaw instantly wow. became like a massive band in the UK. I didn't Daryl know that was all over Glassjaw. the press too. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Daryl was all over the press being like, my friends are coming next month. You need to like check out movie life and shit, which was amazing of him to do. So, cool. um, and at the same time, um, we had a great publicist who was like, Hey, we got you in this, we got you in this, blah, blah, blah. So the first movie life tour was like, fucking awesome like every show was full uh thursday was opening for us it was our first time ever together so this is like right before thursday exploded in the united states wow so okay and everywhere in the world right around the full collapse release maybe yeah exactly so like oh my god that's so cool i noticed it too like on our tour like I could see that people started coming to see them during that tour. Like we could see that like a few very excited people were coming to the front for Thursday. I've been waiting for it. Like they found out before all the rest of the people in the, in the, in the, in the room. Dude, I fucking love that um, band. This is so cool. Yeah, they're great. And that was amazing. Like, so my first ever experience in the UK was us being completely like smothered with love from everybody in every city it was like a pretty long you know we were we played a lot of small towns we played a lot of like you know we played the main markets we played the small markets and um so obviously if you go somewhere like if we went to morocco and morocco like sold out a stadium for us i'd be like i love morocco (laughs) of course of Uh, course yeah but like 
um, ever, ever since the first time I was in England, like, um, I felt the love and, you know, England and we were, the, yeah, it was like winter. Like it wasn't like it, England can be a very dark, uh, gray, rainy, kind of cold and clammy place. Just like Boston um, or, or New York. And you grew up yeah. in that environment. So. Yes, with but without all the conveniences that we're used to in America as like a 20 year old kid, you know what I mean? True. So like it can be unforgiving to be there for two or three weeks. Um, but when when the shows are great and when things are going good and you're having a great time, we were traveling Thursday and movie life were sharing a tour bus because it just made more sense. Like as long as we shared it and we filled it with crew and like it all made sense. And so bouncing around in a tour bus with like Thursday who we like play. I mean, we met a few years before that when we like played in Jeff's basement, you know what I mean? Wow. So like we, you know, some of our first shows in the first few years, 97, 98, 99, were like with Thursday. So for all of us to be like bouncing around England together that, so my first impression was incredible and also i love the culture and i love the music and i love the football and um yeah yeah I, I was in um and i met people on that tour that i'm still friends with to this day it almost seems like you belong there in a way you know i think like especially with the soccer thing yeah and like my heritage is from that part of the world too like my dad is sicilian and then like my other side is like irish english like just uk kind of yeah. So like, I was talking to him about it with a friend of mine recently and he's like, why are you so into it? And I'm just like, I think it's in my blood. I mean, it is in my Dude. blood. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I told him, I'm like, look at my face. Like, don't you, couldn't you imagine <laughs> me having like an Irish or an, or an English accent? <laughs> you know what I mean? So true, man. My, th the first time I, first day I stepped foot in Scotland, um, I still don't know how to say the city edinburgh edinburgh everybody corrects me yeah. no matter which way i say it how do you say it yeah i call it edinburgh edinburgh okay edinburgh but i think people call it edinburgh yeah i, I, I always yeah, get edinburgh. corrected so edinburgh scotland and you know I, what i found out and learned about myself in my travels in europe was that i don't really like cities maybe it's because i grew up kind of in a city so it was nice to i just like nature you know like Norway was beautiful and the Azores of Portugal and Switzerland and stuff like that. But yeah, I, tr I truly loved um, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. could live in that city. And when I first stepped foot there, I went into a bar uh, just to like get some Wi-Fi and figure out my life, you know, yeah. like see what's good. And the bartender immediately he goes, you're from the United States, but you have Scottish heritage, don't you? And I was just like, well, like what i don't know if he uh, I, I don't know he just knew like you know my my mom has my mom's side has the scottish heritage but i i instantly felt at home so going back to what you said like i think it i don't know it just felt it was like in my blood but so what are your favorite uh spots in the united kingdom um to play shows but, or just to be in in general both whatever yeah um i absolutely love liverpool um not only is it like the club that I support, um, but also part of the reason, part of the reason it is the club I support is from going there from such a young age. 
and always feeling so welcome. And the people are hilarious and charming and uh, caring and rough and brilliant. And I, I, I just think liver, I think the Scouse people are like some of the most interesting people I've, I've met in my travels. And also um, Liverpool has become like throughout the years and I still go, you know, at least once a year, um, ex- you know, excluding last year, of course. Right. Um, it really has become like a cultural center in the UK. It's become that. Um, so uh, Liverpool is definitely really high on my list. And I also go to games. I've been to see Liverpool play four times now. I always cool. plan it around like the, our show needs to be somewhere close enough to Liverpool so that I could go and do my thing and then come back for like, I might miss sound check that day kind of thing. Um, yeah. Um, oh, to see, to go, to be able to stand in a stadium watching Liverpool, like watching the team that I watch on the couch or like on my phone or wherever I am in the world, being there is like a total dream that I try to like, I try and pinch myself to like make sure I'm not taking for granted the fact that I'm sitting in this stadium watching these guys who are like, you know what I mean? It's a re- it's very important to me. I love the sport and I love the club. Um, I would say Brighton is number two for me. Brighton. Where's, where's uh, Brighton? Brighton is like way down South, like on the South coast. Um, and that is also like a totally culturally, um, radical awesome place and also just a beautiful city it's a seaside city can we talk about i am the avalanche you have a a new record newer newest record dive dive and and i am the avalanche seems to be your baby you know the movie life will always correct me if i'm wrong but always will have a special place in your heart but i am the avalanche uh going back to what we were saying about you just putting that energy out there when when i listen to those songs i really feel it I mean, movie life has its place and I'm the avalanche has its place as well. Um, But yeah, I'm the avalanche is like, you know, movie life was a different experience. Like I would just write like the vocals in movie life. Right. Right. With avalanche, like the first songs I ever wrote were like, was like the first avalanche record. Okay. Like where that, where I wrote the music and the vocals. So oh, okay. I I'm way more involved creatively. And with movie life, it, I, I ended up being more creative with movie life and stuff aside from just vocal stuff, but like, but you evolved as a musician. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a band anymore. And I was like, uh, if you want to do this, then you better fucking get your shit together and you better like play more guitar. And like, I would always play a little bit of guitar, but, right. um, yeah, and I just like figured out what kind of guitar player I was, and like, and I, you know, taught myself how to do it. And I, you know, there were friends that taught me little things here and there. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, that's my like main outlet between okay. so- solo material and avalanche material. This, like, these are like, we're talking about dozens and dozens of like songs that like, you know, I had like a major hand in and that, and that I, yeah, I cherish, I cherish the movie life songs too, but with Avalanche, it was a different experience. Like yeah. I'm the Avalanche is a band of like best friends, you know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. That's not what the movie life was. It was a bunch of guys that ended up together, you know, gotcha. what I mean? uh, Avalanche was like, um, 
me making mental notes on people that I liked and musicians that I liked and putting together a band that way. I was like, I took Brandon from Further Seems Forever. We had just toured together like three months beforehand and they were breaking up or whatever. I took Kellen from Scraps and Heart Attacks, who was, um, he was, which was Brandon Riley from Movie Life's Little Brother Travis's band. And we had toured with them. I said, that guy's a good bass player. I like right. him. Right. You know, and so on. Like, you know, it's like a little super group. And also, like, you know, Mike, our guitar player, Mike, who's like, he's my songwriting partner in, in Avalanche. Um, he, like, you know, we knew each other from the hardcore scene in Virginia beach. Cause we would go there and he reached out, yo, are you trying anyone out or, you know, and then our drummer happened to be uh, our drummer rat, like happened to be living with Mike at the time in, in Brooklyn. So when I first moved to Brooklyn, I, I, this was like in the ashes of movie life. I was living at my parents' house because that didn't matter if we were out on tour 10 months a year. But now that I was home and I wasn't on tour, I was just living at my parents' house. I was like right. 24, maybe. And they were, my dad was definitely like, so what are you doing? So like, what are you doing? <laughs> my dad does that with me right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. So what are you going to do? Like, oh, Literally, he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like basically they had an extra room. Mike and Rat had an extra room. And Mike had already tried out with me, like we jammed on, on uh, Avalanche shit. And our drummer was already living with us. We just didn't know it. And, huh. um, but yeah, I mean, Avalanche is a completely different realm. Like um, we were like a party band. We, we still are. We did so much touring and had so much fun and saw so much of the world. Um, and you know, we still, you know, doing a new Avalanche record was something that me and Mike were really keen to do. I love that um, record, by the way. It's so good. Thank you. We put so much yeah. work into it. Like we wrote, me and Mike wrote, you know, it was like, it wasn't like, oh, it all just came together. It's like, no, we, we, we would work two days a week. Me and Mike would meet at his apartment, scheduled it. And we would write and we would write and we would write and write and write for like a year. Right. right. <clears throat> we took all the stuff that we felt was good and that we wanted to represent us on the record. And um, it was cool because, you know, like, you know, like Avalanche before the pandemic, Avalanche was going to be it wasn't going to be all the original guys touring because of people's careers and just adult shit, you know. Um, so like. And we all knew that. And me and Mike wrote the record on our own. Like the band didn't hear the record until we went into the studio. And so it was me and Mike and Rat who produced the record as well. Um, in the studio. And even though the other guys weren't going to exactly be in the band and be touring and all this stuff, we still wanted them to be a part of it. So they, Brandon, who we call Agro, and Kellen, both came in for a weekend each and like put their stamp on the record. Nice. So that's kind of, that's the story behind a, a dive and, and keep it, keep in mind that this is all as the pandemic was like fast approaching. Right. So when, right. when it, when the pandemic like hit and people started locking down in New York, we were all quarantined together yeah. like in, in the studio. 
That's wild, man. That kind of comes full circle from the stuff we were saying before. And again, man, you know, I just had a feeling that that was, you know, the most near and dear to your heart. I am the avalanche because you can feel it on the record. And maybe that's just because, uh, you know, I've been a fan of your bands, you know, for mm-hmm. fucking almost 20 years now. Um, right. And again, I love the movie life and I love it. Peaced out is fucking rad too, but Thank there you. is, there is something really um, special about I am the avalanche. I think that's my favorite um, for you, like vocals wise, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I don't know. You, you can, just, it gets, it you're gets singing more your raspy. Heart out. Yeah, yeah. It gets more raspy. Like the older I got, the more I started to use that, you know, there was still there in the old movie life days. Like you could hear the little rasp coming through, but right when I, when I started to be able to command that and use it, like I just started to be able to, to know what I was, once I started knowing what I was doing, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I truly knew what I was doing. I knew how to make catchy melodies and stuff and write lyrics and movie life and stuff. But I started to really like have fun with my voice, like yeah. avalanche in the avalanche year started. I think you evolved as a musician and and as a human in general, and kind of came in to your own. And there was probably also less pressure, you know. Um, yeah. Well, and and listening, if I if I was to press play on Forty Hour Train now, um the thing that would bother me would be my vocals. And I know that that sounds really? stupid to somebody who really likes it, but like, I just think I'm better now. There's nothing like, wrong I, with that. It doesn't like sound I, stupid. I, and when we play those songs live, I sing them better, you right. know, like, so, but that's for anyone. That's for any singer looking back on records, I'm sure, you know, but I didn't, my voice didn't come to full fruition until, I mean, it still is. It's still right. ever growing into, into, you know, and I'm sure like at some point I'm going to be like an old dude singing real low in this register because <laughs> I don't think my dad can hit the notes that I hit that I can hit now. Like, you know, yeah. like we have and we have similar speaking voices. Like your, your my dad, dad has yeah. it. It's kind of sits up here. It doesn't sit really down here. kind of. And my grandfather, too, like the older my grandfather got. His voice was kind of more like this, right? Than than like an old gravelly guy. He had like it's more sits in a higher, in a higher place. You know, it truly blows my mind. I've seen Paul McCartney three times mm-hmm. at Fenway Park, uh, maybe ten years ago. But I mean, it still blows my mind that that guy can sing the way he sings. You know, in his seventies. But Paul McCartney, he's still good. Kind. Oh, he's 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 a he's the best. Him. Um, him and petty petty rest in peace oh, tom petty yeah petty was still good i got to see him i, t- I took acid and i saw him once it was like the greatest night of my life nice. joe cocker opened no oh shit i'm mixing up two concerts sorry i saw joe cocker open for the steve miller band and i took acid and then like another month later i took acid and i saw tom petty this was my acid phase <laughs> i don't i don't just like take acid all the time yeah yeah <laughs> but um sorry um i have a friend who takes acid like uh he was telling me during like from lockdown from like you know basically the last year that he's eaten acid over a hundred times <laughs> i'm not far off for, well jeez uh, i'm making myself i'm, say, I'm saying insane i'm here. saying like during lockdown he's eaten acid oh times. just in the lockdown <laughs> just in the last 12 months 
so he so for breakfast he has like eggs bacon and uh acid in coffee well well especially <laughs> when he was unemployed like you know he was unemployed for what little while and so he would just take acid and bounce around his his neighborhood has lots of parks and stuff so he would just go and do that i'm a little jealous but um no that's cool man so i and the avalanche again it, it your energy comes through and there is there is this unwritten thing you know whether it's on the record or or even more so on stage there's mm-hmm. this unwritten thing that um cannot be captured on any any cd booklet with with lyrics and shout outs or it's it, it's just the the energy that that um you've always had that has just contributed as a nice little uh icing on the cake for your music Vinny. uh well that's cool thank you well thank you man this is uh truly been an honor having you um so what can we plug right now i'm thinking you know i am the avalanche the the record dive is probably the yeah, most recent dive is out it's a yeah. half hour of a- anthemic fucking i mean as far as i'm concerned some of the best songs that i've ever been a part of half hour power um, hour yeah it doesn't really let up i mean it lets up for a few little ballady moments but uh yeah Dive is a sick record. I think it's definitely up there with the best shit I've ever been a part of. Um, uh, check it out. Um, follow me on Instagrams if you don't already. Yep. Because that's that's what I'm doing. I'm always posting shit. You know, I've been doing live streams. I do yeah. shows where it's Avalanche. I do shows where it's covers. I do shows where it's movie life. I do shows where it's solo stuff. And then sometimes I do it all at once. Um, You're always and doing then, shit. Yeah. If I had anything more to add about, um, if I had anything more to add about, uh, you know, the thing that I'm working on with Jim Carroll, <laughs> we basically have a full length worth of music now and nobody's writing vocals. Like I have purposely not been writing vocals because I don't fucking want to be the singer of another band. I just want to play guitar. I'm down to sing a little bit, but like we're talking about sharing vocals. So this band is basically a band of neighbors uh, who got together during like right as lockdown eased, like early summer last year. It's myself, Jim Carroll, uh, a guy named Chris who played in really good instrumental kind of atmospheric metalish kind of band called Sonhet. He plays drums. Um, and then Matt Fozzie, who Fozzie was, was with me when you saw the movie Life of Great Scott. Fozzie was there. Um, he's kind of a journeyman musician. Also has his, uh, you know, he's played in RX Bandits. He's played in Movie Life. He's played in uh, a bunch of cool shit and also right. has his own band. He has his own stuff called Rare Futures, which is really cool if you want to check out something. Like he's a really intensely good musician. Um, anyway, oh, and he played in Taking Back Sunday too. He played in Taking Back Sunday in one of their like iterations when when um, when John and Sean were not involved. Oh, I didn't even. He was know there, that, for, man. And I'm a yeah, huge. Yeah, he was Taking there Back for Sunday like fan. one record cycle. I don't know the record. I'm not sure what it was called. Probably where you want to be. That's the second one, but maybe I'm That's not just a sure. guess. I don't know. But um, and Long so Island. But, the four of us jam in a in a space um and have written some really fucking cool music um Dude. and i don't, i wish i had a name i've tried to have a name i have a fucking list of names in a notepad if anybody needs to get band names i have so many fucking ones that these guys have shot down <laughs> <laughs>
you're a gentleman uh and and thank you so much for your time Vinny. you too thank I'll you very much i'll good see to you talk on, to you i'll see you on the the socials man good to talk to you too take care bud thanks buddy hopefully i'll see you on tour fucking hope so i would like all to avalanche eyeballed avalanche yes oh my god that yes. would be perfect <laughs> all, right, buddy. all right bro thanks man later peace Get us to the All right, that is it. Let's wrap this one up. Vinny Caruana, you are a fucking legend. Thank you so much for doing that. Means the world to me from the bottom of my little heart. Ah, what a fucking cool guy. All right, I have another very good one for you next week. Once again, all the music that you've heard on this podcast episode is from Vinny whether it's the movie life or I am the avalanche. Speaking of I am the avalanche, we're going to close it out with one of their songs off of the latest album dive. And, um, this song is fucking awesome. Follow Vinny on, on Instagram. He's always doing stuff, whether it's, you know, live streams or that and beyond. This song is called better days. I love you all. Thank you all. Two Week Dose Podcast. Boys. This is the last year that I go on sinking. You're not fucking drowning. Don't